een Maker District podcast. Queer Consent features discussion of sexual violence throughout. If you've experienced sexual violence, visit Centrum Sexuelgeveld or menaswell.nl for more information. One important part of the work that Men As Well does is to fill gaps where there's limited or no advocacy. This is particularly important with an intersectional community like ours. It's important to me that Men As Well facilitates a discussion without deciding what's right for everybody. One thing I've learned is that other groups within our community have very different experiences that affect the navigation of consent. Today, I want to amplify the voices of these groups using my platform. This is Queer Consent. Welcome to Queer Consent. I'm Thomas Garrett Pollard, director of Men As Well, the Dutch organization for male and queer survivors of sexual assault. In this series, we're taking a journey through the community as we discuss consent and building a stronger, safer community. During my journey of building this organization, I've met some truly inspirational people. Uh, join me as we tackle this issue together. If you haven't already, please listen to the previous episodes before diving into this one to get the complete picture. Today I'm accompanied by two very special people, uh, Tain De Jong and Sharon Bala. Tain De Jong, they, them, he, him, aka Tain Bleift Zacht, is a trans educator, experience expert, I- activist and actor. Sharon Bala, she, they, is an artist and intersex activist and also works with undocumented queer migrants. Thank you so much for coming on to talk today. I'm really, really uh, proud and pleased to meet you both Thank you, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for the invite. I wanted to start with Tain. Uh, the purpose of today's episode is really I wanted to yeah, give a platform to some people who don't have their voices heard uh, very often. Um, but I wanted to discuss with Tain, first of all, what does, well, your name is Tain Bleifzacht, so I wanted to explore with you what does being soft mean? Um, oh, wow, that's, I guess it means uh, being empathetic, uh, being kind, as well as uh, to others as uh, to yourself. Um, and it's, per- for me personally, it's like a personal mantra to help me uh, remind myself to, to be kind to myself and others. And I, just because I really believe in the power of empathy and kindness. It's so beautiful. I al- I always associate now the word soft with you, actually, and it's uh yeah, it's super cute for me that That's you. That's a big compliment. Well, it should be a compliment. <laughs> I always feel nice and warm around you. Mm. Um, Tain, you are a really vocal trans activist. What is it like in the Netherlands in two thousand twenty four to be to be a trans person? Um, well, I can't answer that for all trans people, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, it's difficult and becoming more difficult in a way. Uh, although we had like uh, more representation, more visibility, that also makes that the uh, counter uh, uh, movement uh, is coming with like uh, a backlash. So that's what we're seeing right now. Um, many uh, anti-trans legislation uh, all over uh, the world and that also shows here in the Netherlands if we look at like politics uh, it's it's more of a subject there um, the media keeps uh, exploiting it in a way so yeah we're we're uh, in a way uh, uh, under attack yeah sadly yeah. yeah it sounds like it's becoming harder to be to be a trans person not easier 
Yeah, although I must say, um, in my personal experience, I look, I'm cis passing, I'm white, uh, so I have many privileges, which makes my life a lot easier compared to people who don't have those privileges. Uh, same as that, I already had my transition, so I'm not on the super long waiting lists. Uh, so that makes my position for now uh, relatively comfortable. Cool, shut on. Um, I I have to say I invited you today. I've explained a little bit uh, personally to you already, but uh, as part of my work, I have meetings with uh, with different organizations and in different places. And I uh, was in a meeting with NNID, which is the intersex uh, organization in the Netherlands uh, last year, and I was uh, really. Uh, horrified to hear some of the stories so i'll we'll come to these in, in a little bit but maybe you can just explain who you are and, and what your background is yeah well who i am i think we need more than one hour <laughs> doctor to explain my my full personality and uh because of course i'm much more than an intersex activist Absolutely. and uh being intersex is only a small part of my identity however I feel like it's a very important part of my identity because it's been oppressed for a very long time. Um, and I really feel the need to create more space within our society for intersex or non-binary bodies. Uh, and momentarily, there's a little to none. And that's um, that really comes to like my, my personal uh, struggle, but also struggle of most intersex individuals is that there's within our society a big lack of knowledge and understanding of what it actually means to be intersex and what it what it is and then uh, next to that the whole intersex community has been oppressed by the medical institutions for eternity <laughs> let's say so um that due to that most intersex individuals momentarily are not open and not speaking out about their experiences. Uh, there's a um, total of 190,000 intersex people living in the Netherlands. This is one in 90. However, momentarily by, uh, by the NNE day, they say that around 50 people from those 190,000 are vocal about their uh, experiences, openly vocal. And that includes you? That includes me, yeah. And Congratulations. Yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> if, it, if it deserves some congratulations, but um, I think it shows like the the severeness of the oppression and the erasure of this huge group of individuals within society, and how it's also systematically done by government and uh, medical institutions. So I see actually between the both of you, you have differences of experience a little bit, but what's at the core of your uh, identity is the concept of self-determination and being able to be who you, who you are without, without judgment. You see that? Uh, yeah, I think that uh, self-determination is a really important topic uh, and the right to self self um to self-govern, right? And to have like your, your uh, bodily integrity in my case, uh, respected and that you have um, uh, consent, that you're able to con give consent over your own body. Um, and this has been unfortunately violated many times. So I think uh, self-determination is really important. And I think this is something that is still growing within my, um, within my being and then also at large within our society. Like it really needs, it's in the baby shoes. 
Yeah, well, I hope that today we can give some platform to these kind of issues and we can have a nice discussion and uh, and see what we can do to to make the situation easier for for people uh, yeah, who are intersex and also trans because it's super important to give a platform to uh, to people who who are vocal and who have the courage to speak up. I think exactly, and I feel like to speak out about. Um, about the person that you are and feel the freedom to actually do so, that's something that's extremely important. That is one of my, uh, within my activism, the main topics that I, I'm addressing. Also because I think that's a very important uh, tool to empower because the moment we stop being ashamed of who we are, we can't have other people f make us feel ashamed. So, and I think it's very different, uh, it's important to say that it's very different for intersex people than for trans people, but I think the core of uh, stop having the secret and stop feeling the shame that is internalized from outside, not, not, that's not something that came from ourselves or comes naturally. So I think it's very important to stop feeling that shame and to, in a way, unapologetically take the space we deserve. That's... Yeah, because also it's imposed shame. Mm -hmm, exactly. And I think like the imposed, the imposed part of it that's like the most traumatizing because like it doesn't like it's shame that's been created and imposed upon you instead of shame that's kind of like internal, like coming from within, and uh, to be uh, being shamed upon by society, by medical institutions, by government and lawmakers that gives like an enormous degradation of like your um uh, your 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 right to exist right and and then we really come towards like towards like this feeling of erasure and uh, yeah. non-belonging and 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 uh, terrible minority stress the, yeah the idea of not having space only the idea of that and the feeling of that can make like mental health issues rise enormously so yeah see a lot of similarities also or intersections rather with uh, survivors of sexual assault because this is also compounded through minority stress and um, I mean more, more yeah more yes yeah, secrecy that, and yeah. that, that is quite interesting because like from recent studies from the NNE day um, came out that a lot of intersex individuals have had the experience of being sexually violated but not by uh, like perpetrators but by um, medical institutions so it's the lack of the ability to say no and being in like uh, power structures wherein you as an individual mainly as a teenager or as a, a child are not in a position to say no and then things being happened and done towards your body this can lead to the experience of rape of other sexual violations however it's not classified as such because it's been done from different uh, intents. And yeah, this is something that's a really, really hard and difficult like maze to navigate through because you're not being raped, you're not being sexually violated. However, you do have the experience of being sexually violated. And where are you standing then as an individual? You know, how, where do you go to? Who do you speak with? How, how do you find support for that, for that experience? Well, first of all, it took for me a very, 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 very long time to understand and to realize that the experience that I have had are relating to those uh, feelings. Because for me, it was always like positioned upon or like 
placed upon me from a position of help and care. So my body was being violated from a position of help and care. That sounds like such a mind fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's been done by doctors. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. these are so people who should be like treating you or helping you. But in my case, um, have given me a feeling of being sexually violated. And that was under the idea that w it was medically necessary, yet, of course, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, that's, of course, also, like, that's a different topic, but it's really, like, one of the main uh, issues within, like, intersex bodies is that um, intersex bodies are being operated on under some kind of, like, prejudged rules of how bodies should look like. So there's some kind of like opinion about what a body should look like in order to be like a functional male or functional female body. And then even when there's no medical necessity, bodies are being operated on to fit those like standards or those criteria. And like the problem of that is that the, the, the child in question that is being operated on is not being asked whether they want their body to be changed and there's no medical necessity so it's only done from like some kind of social or um, aesthetic um, like reasonings and this is something that's extremely problematic because then like your bodily integrity and your right to self-determination this is all being violated yeah i can uh, i can see that it's that it's it's difficult to uh, yeah it's a difficult situation to to overcome and um. yeah well I think it's important to address actually like the the, the topics that that uh, there are actually possibilities to protect in intersex children right and like because there is um, there is one e very easy solution and that is like making a law against non medically necessary surgeries imposed on children. However, the Dutch government at this moment of time is saying, no, we're not doing this. We like, wow, uh, Spain, Greece, Malta, Germany, Iceland, all have laws in place. The Dutch government says, no, we're not going to protect these children. Because I, I think this is one of the reasons that we're also slipping on the ILGA index every year is the lack of intersex protection as well as, as, well as trans rights. Uh, they're beginning to really hold us back in terms of where we stand in, in Europe as well. What is it like to to reclaim your bodily autonomy and to yeah to go through this journey and 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 make it out the other side? What do how do you mm. feel? On the one hand, it's very empowering um, to be able to uh, choose to do what's best for you is very empowering. Yet, of course, we have to go through this medical. Uh, uh, trouble to to get that uh self-determination so it's not it's not freely given to us and that's also something that that really um strikes me is that the fact that many politicians are against uh trans surgeries but yet don't protect intersex babies who are getting surgeries they don't want so it's for me it's really weird that i think also we're, we're we're seeing a lot of like hyper focus around trans people, which also makes uh, intersex people more forgotten. Um, uh, and also, I feel like the information is also mainly 
crossed. So many people think intersex is a form of transness, while that is completely different. Um, we are frequently being compared, mm -hmm. and I find that very problematic even though we do have like intersections mm -hmm. right i mean we are both living with bodies that have been medicalized yeah and within that system there are there are intersections however sure. like the experience yes. is completely different however certain experiences like certain medical interventions are similar yeah. again so yeah. i think there are like a lot of like intersections however the experience is very different and the way we are being treated is extremely different. Very different. Um, like we were talking previously a bit about it, how, um, you know, like, for instance, I'm very much advocating for um, proper guidance and counseling of intersex individuals, for instance, like I have never had any until recently. So then you're going through like all these like, you know, medical interventions without any guidance, without any person who is actually like checking in on you as an individual who is not like in some kind of power position over you to see what you actually want as an individual and if you're ready for these uh, surgeries and if you're doing it for the right reasoning or not and i think on the other side maybe you can speak for it for yourself yeah, the yeah, trans yeah. community has a very different yeah. problem at the moment yeah we believe that self-determination shouldn't be with mandatory uh, assessment or mandatory help. Uh, so although I am uh, a little bit in the, in the middle on that, I think if people uh, want uh, support and help, also psychological support or help, that's also very good. I mean, why would we deny people that? But I think the fact that we are, uh, uh, we have to mandatory go through a psychological assessment, I think is very troubling. The fact that other people, the, the, the idea that other people are more able to decide over our bodies and our identities than we ourselves, to me is very troubling. Yeah. Yeah, I like, so I so what what I really advocate for is that like those um, non medically necessary surgeries are being forbidden on children, and that it they should you know people have the possibility of course to operate if they are at a certain age to make their own decisions and then with the right guidance and counseling to really make sure that the child understands or the adult or the or the the teenager the individual understands what they're going through and what those surgeries entail and what it actually means and how and what what kind of effect it has on your on your body but mm. also on your mind and also that perhaps like those surgeries are not going to fix the problems that are within you right yeah um and and this is lacking at the moment yeah definitely and it's i think it's weird that like trans people are given the help without them wanting it while people who need the help don't get it yeah. right and why do we need the help yeah. we need the help because we've been like placed within a system that says that the body needs to look a certain way in order and act a certain way in order to be male or female yeah. but the acceptance of a body of not being fem female or male something in the in the middle or close to the female close to the male this is not being accepted no. and i think that is the whole issue that there needs to be some kind of like acceptance of the fact that nature is not binary. There's no dichotomy within nature. It just doesn't exist. And these social constructs, they deprive every group of agency ultimately. 
Definitely. Finally, you just have your less control over your body, less control about who who you are as an individual, and and people are always talking about uh, we have to look at science. Well, science says that neither gender, neither sex is binary. It's all on a spectrum. So I guess uh, that's the main thing that has to change in society: the fact that we view uh, sex and gender as binary, while it definitely isn't. How do these experiences affect your sexual identity? You want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Um, it was a struggle. Yeah, it was a struggle. Uh, also because I have experience with sexual violence in my youth. So, uh, and uh, uh, on top of that, I was, uh, when I came out, I was 14. I came out as lesbian. Um, and then I had to discover my whole gender identity. So it was a, a long road to where I am now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, it is also something that has been like a topic for a very long time, like kind of not 100% understanding or grasping or knowing who... I am, but that also comes again with like, you know, all the, the experiences that I had in life of like being not heteronormative from like the start, right? My body is just not heteronormative. And um, then within that situation, trying to, I have tried to really live within heteronormative relationships with a man. However, that wasn't working for me. I've been in relationships with, with girls. Well, you know, and then I turned out um to realize that i'm like interested in people right and then i need to have a relationship with an individual who understands that i'm not able to live within this heteronormative norms and um that is for me like the most important thing at the moment within a relationship that you can be open whether it's a female identifying person a male identifying person or like a non-binary or trans or it doesn't really matter as long as you're able to have this kind of like understanding of living outside of this heteronormative norm you've had to go really through a journey in order to reach that conclusion yeah totally like it was really not easy because mainly like i didn't have the words i didn't have the possibility to speak about this and even think about this because like uh, up until 2018 i had never seen a therapist and up until two years ago so 2022 i had never spoken with other people about this so i literally didn't have the words uh, to describe and developed also to address these topics for myself. Tain? Yeah, in a way, that's uh, very relatable, although I think uh, the visibility of trans people started a bit earlier. So if I look at uh, when I was young, I guess uh, the information about trans people was the same as it is now for intersex people. So um, I, there was no information for me about trans people except for like this one creepy movie where the trans person was a killer or um, they were a pedophile or it's always wrong. We, we get killed, we're hookers and we die in the first scene. So that was a rep representation I grew up with. Um, and it was really tough uh, finding information, finding people... Um, that experienced the same things as I did. Uh, and luckily, it's better now. I mean, the new generation grows up with representation, with 
pretty accessible information here, uh, but there's still a lot uh, to be done. Yeah. yeah. What can people do to make the situation easier for for you when it comes to consent, when it comes to understanding, yeah, your needs. Mm. I think what's really important is that people start to educate themselves and start to uh, humanize trans people again, because we see, and that's actually growing, like a dehumanization of trans people again. Also, because we see a lot of like fetishizing of trans people which is also growing. Um, there was this research that showed that last year, 75% more trans porn was uh, consumed. Um, and I think that's very uh, saying because I guess lots of people get their information from porn. So we are being only seen in a sexualized uh, context, content. So uh, context, um, and that makes people think that we are just lost objects, just sex toys, just experiments, uh, and and that is something I see growing actually. Yeah. Where, where apart from you know, I'm just thinking apart from sex uh, seen in porn. Where do people get their sex education in the community? You know. There isn't. They don't, there I isn't. guess, or like uh, there was a talk mouth to mouth information, share with each other mouth to mouth information <laughs> in this context. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, I I think within like the intersex community, um, this is again very problematic because most intersex individuals, their body has been violated so many times so frequently that like it's really hard to kind of set your boundaries also within sexual relationships. Because most people are just really, or like it could it could happen that people are not able to set boundaries due to the fact they have been violated so many times already, or for instance having the idea of needing to be um, lucky enough to find a partner willing to be with you. You know what I you know you yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. Like absolutely. Because you've been told your entire life you're not good enough, and and these are um, problems within the community and then on top of that like again like all sexual education that you get in 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 school it's based on a heteronormativity right yeah so that is very problematic when you're not part of this heteronormative beings completely and that is not only for us right it's no for, like, i think it's for everybody community. i mean this yeah. this minority stress that you're talking about basically that yeah you know, people feel the need to, because of their personal experience and journey, they feel the need to seek validation of to, so often, but also to, yeah, they seek love. People want love and they want to, uh, they want to, they try to look for that. If it's not role modeled in a way that they can find it, then it's hard for, they can find themselves in situations that blur boundaries more easily. Yeah. Yeah. And just the fact, indeed, about what I really recognize is that when I started my transition, I was really scared that I would never, ever find love again. Because who would love a trans person? We're like wow. the weird people, you know? That's so familiar. Yeah, right? <laughs> and that's also why, that's something I want to also show because I am able to get find love. Actually, I found the best love uh, since I've started being myself. So uh, I think it's very powerful for... Uh, us to see people of uh, 
trans people or intersex people in love, happy, uh, uh, joyful. I think that's very, very, very important. Do you want to share a little bit about your relationships? You want to go first again? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Um, well, I'm uh, polyamorous, so I have one partner at the moment. Um, we so there's, there's, uh, there's space for more. Yeah, there's space for more. <laughs> um, if the connection is right. I'm not, it's not like I need more, but yeah. If, uh, I'm always open for new connections, definitely. Um, and I'm together with my partner for a year now. Uh-huh. Um, and we're very happy. Yeah. Cute. Nice. Sharan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> Giggles turn? are coming up. Huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm very much in love, um, which is really amazing uh, to be. And it feels really, like, privileged to go through this experience to meet someone and have so much connection with and feelings for and love and, like, protection and, like, comfort and everything so, but it's it's very new. Like we just been seeing each other for a few months now, so it's quite. You did start blushing there yeah, as you I started talking. <laughs> Honestly, that is so cool, I right? I'm I love completely in love. So it's really heartwarming. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, it's nice. Like it's been quite amazing. Yeah, it's also super important that we're here to talk about really difficult things, but the both of you have found a sense of of you found a place of belonging in a sense through in relationships. Yeah, I think, like, the need to be in a relationship is not present or it's not the internal goal, right? But then that being said, it's so amazing to be with someone and have found this love and have found this connection with a person. And this goes on a much deeper le- level than 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 physical or, or, or bodily, right? Or bodily, physical is the same thing. But, like, it goes much deeper than that. And I find... That really fascinating, and um, of course, like lust and sex and everything is like part of it. But like the connection is much deeper, and I think that that should always be the main focus within love and within relationships. Like the physical side, yes, it's great, it's there, but what comes like within that 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 is the beauty of love. That's really beautiful. Mm. <laughs> I want to know more about consent in in general and how it is for as mm. many different people within the community as as possible. And mm. of course, everybody's experience is completely different. Um, and also, as I'm talking, you know, I'm saying things that I, uh, you know, that are not necessarily the right things to say because I've not experienced in in uh, in necessarily intersex or in trans, which is why I wanted to have this discussion today mm. to see. You know, what it is what it is that also as a as a cisgendered white gay guy how can i use my privilege to help amplify voices and how can i help my how can i use my the privilege that i have to to make people's situation better well on the one hand you're doing it by giving us a platform um, but i think it's also very important to do the activism in your own personal close space uh, specifically for uh, uh, cis gay men to educate the cis gay men around you because um, my experience with fetishize, uh, fetishizing and sexualization is mostly with uh, gay men. Um, so I think it's very important that consent in... Because I believe consent is... Uh, a topic that is 
in intersex communities very important, trans communities very important, but yet in, I believe, in uh, gay communities, still something that is not, like there is not, I feel like there's no need to talk about it because there's no, unless something goes wrong, yeah. suddenly they feel the need to talk about it. But like we have to do three steps back and... Yeah, and our relationship, what I'm hearing is our relationship with consent also impacts your experiences as well. Definitely. So that is why it's important to to step up and say, you know, we have to listen to everybody within the community. We have yeah. to be sensitive. Yeah. Um, because fetishes are, are wonderful, but they can also, you know, there needs to be a consent, consent. behind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there needs yeah. to be consent behind fetishes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what do we need to educate? Uh, how, how, how do we... How do we educate people within the community besides activism, besides doing the work ourselves? Yeah. I guess talk. Like, we have to keep having conversations with, like, the whole community, not only within subgroups of the community, but with, like, the whole community. We have to keep coming together, not only in party uh, uh settings but also in talkative settings we have to i guess also start to heal the community from within um because we're not going to get the help from uh, the outside so let's start uh, healing ourselves from the inside as well do you think that it's important that organizations uh talk about this as well talk about consent talk about experiences and and how, why it's important to be aware of of other people's individual journeys when navigating consent yeah yeah i think like um to speak about like visibility and speak about like uh, awareness also of community right i think um like i have to say i'm extremely thrilled to be sitting here because um now at this moment there is some kind of movement happening and there's more light shed up on the intersex community and the rights are being addressed and but this is a really a new thing and i'm extremely thrilled that this is happening because like um one year and a half ago during pride that was for me the first time being uh open and being uh like released from my secret and I was standing next to the stage of the pride walk and literally not a word was mentioned about intersex rights we were all speaking about about um, community and about how we need to take care of each other and we need to like like be there for one another however the intersex community was being left out and that is that is why I, I I've seen this and I recognize you know I've, I've also been in discussions where different groups have said we're always left out and I was really uh, shocked because I heard from NNID what uh, part of the medical story that you've you've brought today and I it's not okay for me to have a podcast and not invite people whose voices I have never heard because that is the point of creating a platform so I'm I'm happy that you that you feel. Yeah, um, and, and like I, I, f I find that this, this like um, this also really part of my journey, right? To kind of create space for these conversations and like also say like, hey, like not only ask for it but demand it. I'm demanding space. I'm demanding to be uh, to to be addressed. I'm demanding that people are starting to realize um, what is happening towards intersex bodies and how we are treated and how we are segregated within our society. 
So um, the fact that now there is space being created feels feels really beautiful and empowering, but we need more. <laughs> and um, I really would like to continue uh, doing this and hopefully with me, a lot of uh, other intersex individuals will start speaking out and demanding space. Um, this year during Pride Walk, I was asked to give a, deliver a speech on the, on the stage prior to the Pride Walk. And this was kind of like, for me, the signaling moment of, yes, space is being created. We are being heard. We are being addressed. And hopefully next year, if I am being asked again to deliver a speech, there will be 30 people with me standing on that stage who are also intersex and who are also speaking out and who are willing to like stand up for our rights and really say like we exist we are here and like we're not going anywhere right and i think this is like something um that is really still in development however like the snowball started moving and i'm 100 sure it's just gonna get bigger and bigger and we are gonna like continue to empower ourselves and personally i think it's not only your job to to do that but i think that is the job of the rest of the community and especially people in privilege to to also help you make that space and amplify your voices and give you as much agency because you've had so much agency taken from you from such a, an early age if that's fair to say yeah. and i I feel like it, it really is the job of the community if we act as a community to build spaces, platforms for for people to be heard and for intersex experience to be understood better because that helps you live more freely yeah. and more happily and more healthily. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough not by myself, of course. There are other intersex activists uh, like Marlene Hendricks and we work qu quite closely together towards like this common goal. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really need support from the LGBTQ community. You see now even I forget the I. You know what I mean? Like mm. even within my like use of language, I right away to go to LGBTQ and I stop. Because this is how like we have been, been trained and how we've been programmed within our society. Like even I, I'm erasing myself from the from, from the queer community. And 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 this awareness and that 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 happens within language, first of all, really shows like the, the problem. You know, I'm now becoming, I'm feeling really empowered now to, to, do, to talk more about this because I already, I knew a little bit and I'm, I'm glad that this conversation has led me to, to be able to talk with you and to be able to really understand. It, it is my job as well to, to, to be vocal. So I, w I want to also then commit to saying where I can in my work, I want to definitely put forward the, the rights of intersex people uh, when it comes to consent. Yeah. And I, I guess <laughs> we, I, I would like to urge all people from the community to keep fighting and centralize the most marginalized because uh, my rights... Uh, alone won't free everyone so i'm not free until we're all equally have all equally have the same human rights uh, so um not just be happy with the rights you get already but try to fight so that everyone gets those rights i find that narrative so disappointing as well and it, it generally comes from people who look like me you know i've got my rights so i don't need to fight for anybody else's rights 
I'm 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 somebody who you know my my twin brother has autism. He has a learning disability. So I've fought, I've been part of his journey as well from from birth. I empathize really deeply with people who have to fight to be heard and have to, and that's also I think what led me a little mm. bit to to starting this um, and never give up fighting for people who need to be heard. So it's so important for me to to talk and to be active and and amplify people's voices. And when I hear other people who are like me say, "No, I don't need to," I think you don't you don't understand that actually this is a structure that is actually making your life more difficult and harder and when we can dismantle these structures that are marginalizing other people and that also happens for you know uh race as well mm. sometimes we hear too much in this community about of homo nationalism you know we need to dismantle these structures because they are holding us all back mm -hmm. definitely yeah yeah how can we work together to make this change <sighs> i find that really difficult because on the one hand, I would say we're doing that. Yeah? We're making, uh, we're making ourselves heard. We're making ourselves seen. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm a bit, uh, I'm a bit scared for the the way the uh, society is now changing. That I'm, I'm seeing that sometimes our visibility is uh, being used to dis to like. Um, how do you say this? That people say we are too visible in a way. Mm -hmm. So I see like a change that people want us to go back into the closet again and we have to be very vigilant that we don't slip up now because, well, maybe they first come for trans rights and then they come for gay rights and then they come for women's rights and then, I mean, it's not, it doesn't end with our uh, marginalization. It will grow and we will all be uh, troubled by that at the end. Yeah, yeah. I think like the caution is 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 really uh, important. Like I, I um, well, I mean, I like to 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 think, and I like to hope that uh, we will continue to uh, be accepted within our society and that like acceptance will grow even though there's a pushback at the moment and there's a lot of like resistance towards the lgbtqia plus community uh, however uh, i do really believe that um that that the push that the community is giving and towards visibility and towards acceptance is 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 stronger and that will remain stronger and that that within hopefully the netherlands and the rest of the world even though the situation at the moment is quite horrendous in many countries, um, we will continue to 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 grow because, like, I believe in the greater good of humanity, and I believe that, like, in the end, humanity will understand that um, there needs to be space for everyone within this tiny world that we are living in. Because otherwise, there's no way to live together in this world because we will continue to exist, and there's just simply no way around us. And mm. I think that's the bottom line. There's no way around us. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a nice way to look at it as well. Like, we just we won't give up our space. We are anymore. not going to give up our space. No. Like, yeah. keep claiming, it, keep claiming. Yeah, we're gonna. Not even that. We're gonna keep existing. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is the main <laughs> thing. Like, the bottom line is that we exist, and we're gonna keep on being born. You know, like it's not like if people are gonna forbid uh, 
trans surgeries or or uh, if like it's going to be forbidden to be gay like we're not going to stop you know <laughs> it's not like if you're gay you're going to stop having sex with men because it's forbidden like you're going to find a way around it like we're going to be there forever and we've and always been we have always yeah. been there even like like so for instance like i work with undocumented migrants and loads loads of the people i work with are coming from countries where like uh, being queer is forbidden you go to to jail or you get get murdered and i find it so amazing how these individuals find a way within their own country within that fear of being literally murdered still find a way to have love relationships with people in secrecy you know because love wins in the end and yes they go through horrendous experiences and yes they are being mistreated in the most horrible way but still they risk all that knowing and willingly for love and i think that is the most amazing thing and that is like the purity of humanity right and, and it, it sounds so strength. cheesy but love wins in the end <laughs> like that's just the that's and it shows our strength right i mean for straight people, having love is quite easy, but we would go, we would die for our love. That's what this shows. So that's, that's I think, very strong, right? And it shows, like, how deep this is embedded within our being. Like, there's no way for us around it. That's just a simple fact. You can pretend to be in a heteronormative relationship, but if you're not hetero, most individuals will have another relationship next to that, that that represents their real identity. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah, like exactly. Love wins in the end. Absolutely. Yeah. Love yeah. wins. Yeah, love it's wins. so cheesy, but it's the truth. It's <laughs> the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um, thank you, both of you, so much for joining today, for having a really nice discussion. I really hope from, from our side that um you felt heard most importantly i think that really is the most important part of this discussion is hearing hearing people and and, and giving a platform um so thank you both and i'm committing to trying to be more open and more um more amplifying of people's voices like yours so please um yeah if ever you need anything please let me know i will try and help Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> it was having so us. nice to have this yeah. conversation with the both of you and to create this space for this um, really important topic. Thank you. Join me next time as we delve into the world of drink, drugs, chemsex and consent with three experts, Michael O'Dee, Leon Knops and Jurin Van Zanter. If you've been affected by any of the topics in today's podcast, visit menaswell.nl for more information. Maker District Podcast. Podcast.